I was taken prisoner at a very early period of my life by a party of Indians, who, from the train of events that followed, belonged to, or were in alliance with, the Kickapoo Nation. At the same time, two other white children, a boy and small girl, were also made prisoners. I have too imperfect of a recollection of the circumstances connected with this capture to give good account of it. There are moments when I see the rush of the Indians, hear their war whoops and terrific yells, and witness the massacre of my parents, the pillage of their property, and the incendious destruction of their dwellings. But the first prominent recollection I have was not long after the attack and our being taken prisoner. The little girl whom I mentioned before began to cry, and she was immediately dispatched with the blow of a tomahawk from one of the warriors. The circumstance terrified me much more as that same tomahawk was pointed at me with every bit as much intended menace as had been demonstrated with that poor slaughtered infant girl. It was clear that if I cried, the warrior would serve me in the same manner. Not long after that grievous incident, we proceeded on until the Indian party split and the other group took the other boy with them. That was the last I saw or heard of him. The Indians generally separate their white prisoners. The practice, no doubt, originated more with view to hasten the reconciliation to their change and a nationalization of feelings than with any intention of wanton cruelty. The Indians who retained me continued their march, chiefly through the woods, for several successive days, a circumstance well remembered by me, because the fear of being left behind called forth all my efforts to keep up with them, whenever from fatigue or any other cause they compelled me to walk, which was often the case. After a long march in my fatigue, we reached their camps, which were situated on a considerable stream of water. Just before our arrival, we were met by a great number of old men, women, and children, among whom was a white woman attired in Indian costume. She was the wife of the principal chief, was a great friend to the Indians, and joined with, and I believe surpassed, the squaws in the extravagancy of her exultations and rejoicings on account of the safe return of the warriors with prisoners, scalps, and other trophies obtained from their vanquished foes. I think it must have been in the fall when I was taken prisoner, because the forests, and indeed the whole atmosphere, presented a smoky and peculiarly gloomy appearance, which most probably was owing to a custom which the Indians practice of firing the leaves at this season of the year to facilitate the collection of nuts for their consumption during the approaching winter. After our arrival at their camps, and I had become reconciled to my new mode of living and my adopted connections, Nothing occurred for several years, to the best of my recollection, as worthy of notice, except our repeated removals. Nor should I mention this, only that it serves to account for the obscurity with which everything connected with my early life is surrounded. I was adopted into the family of one of the principal warriors named Fongo, who claimed me as his property from having taken me prisoner. His wife, a squaw of intermediate stature and dark complexion, proved to me a kind and affectionate mother. It may appear somewhat extraordinary that I should recollect the above incidents so circumstantially, while others scarcely separated from them as to time should have nearly or quite escaped my memory. But such is the fact, though I am persuaded from the faint traces still remaining on my mind, could either my parents or the location of my childhood be presented to me at this time, in the same state or condition that they were in previous to my being taken by the Indians, that I should recognize them individually. But the probable massacre of the former, and the changes in respect to the latter, 
which have rapidly succeeded each other in the country where most likely my being first dawned, forbid the hope of ever realizing these, to me, desirable and important events. Now I shall explain from the Indian perspective and knowledge I have collected from living among them. Inheriting certain districts of country from their ancestors, the limits to which are prescribed either by treaties with the several tribes or are traditionary and mutually respected, the Indians are accustomed to roam with unrestrained freedom through the forests in search of game or to cultivate so much of the soil as they may deem necessary to supply their wants and comforts. Every encroachment made upon their territory, whether with or without their consent, is, sooner or later, regarded as an infringement of their natural rights and has frequently given rise to long, cruel, and exterminating wars, not only between different tribes, but between the Indians and the whites.